visit the Downtown Den, join us through our website, all the W's, downtowninbusiness.com. Stay in, stay safe, visit the Downtown Den. Hi, good afternoon. I'm Paul Cadman. I am the chair of Downtown in Business Birmingham. Going to welcome three people that I know quite well into the Downtown in Business Brummy Den. We'll start off with the ladies first. Rebecca, good afternoon to you. Rebecca Simkis, Managing Director, who holds a number of charitable sort of positions as well, but we'll leave that for your introduction. Welcome, <laughs> good afternoon. We've got Stuart Woods, who's the MD of Woodbarns, and he also sits on a board of Birmingham Tech with me, and he currently is looking to promote and talk about Woodshires. We've got Gareth Wilcox, who is a partner, Birmingham partner, who sits with Opus Business Consultancy, who's looking to talk about some things. So ladies first, Becky, good afternoon. A few minutes to introduce yourself and talk about you and your business, please. Yes, yeah, so um, you did a fantastic job. So I'm Rebecca Simkis and I am Managing Director and Co-Founder of Simkis Guy Recruitment. We are a uh, essentially Birmingham and Solihull based uh, office support, uh, business consultancy, recruitment consultancy. And uh, we work with a, a wide range of clients for um, all of their recruitment needs from uh, global professional services organisations, right the way through to local charities and, uh, and SMEs in the region. And uh, most recently have um, very excited launched a new division specialising in the healthcare sector. So that's something that we're looking forward to uh, expanding and developing over the course of the next few months. Fabulous. And tell me about your charitable positions as well, because you're an avid supporter of Love From, as well as a number yeah. of Birmingham charities. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me personally, but also for Simkis Guy, CSR is something that we think is incredibly important. So I have a number of uh, non-executive positions around the region. Um, so I am very lucky to be vice chair and trustee of Love Brum. Um, I am also a former chair of, of BPS Family Future. Uh, I am a co-founding board member of an organisation called West Midlands Women's Voice, which is to make sure that women are represented across the entire region um, at a, a local government level. And um, I'm also chair of the regional advisory board for uh, an organisation that works with um, highly talented children um, in academic areas um, and, and helps and encourages them to, to achieve their full potential in underprivileged um, wards around the city. Excellent, wonderful. And the other thing is that you've got a trophy cabinet that's bursting at the seams with some of the fantastic <laughs> awards that you've won over the, uh, over the years as well, haven't you? I can see you're slightly blushing, but you know, a highly accomplished person and director. So congratulations on that Thank point. You. Thank you. Uh, Stuart, a co-director of Birmingham Tech, a board member and a director of Woodshires. Just a minute or two to introduce yourself, please. Yeah, so I'm Stuart Wood. Yes, uh, I'm, I own multiple companies. Those two are the main ones that uh, we, we will be discussing today. Uh, yeah, so my background is I was, I was a financial advisor for 12 years, came out of that, started up a tax consultancy with my father six years ago, uh, which is Woodshires, which we'll discuss in a bit, and then subsequently other opportunities have arisen off the back of that. Created uh, Woodbarn, which is a tech consultancy in partnership with a Dutch company, it's one of the largest software development houses in Europe, uh, who don't actually be actively work in the UK at the moment. Um, yeah, amongst other things, and then also obviously Birmingham Tech Week as well. Sit on the board with Mr. Cadman. Um, we uh, we assist with that, and uh, yeah, 
good stuff. Fabulous. Okay, and then uh, each of you are going to bring in some professional sort of advice and some things like that. Gareth, Gareth, good afternoon. Partner at Opus uh, Business Consultancy in Birmingham. We've had a number of conversations. You're a downtown business member and things like that, and you're looking to reach out. And really, it's business rescue and it's business support for you. So if we can kick off just with a bit of an introduction and a bit of your history, and then just your immediate advice around the business rescue and business support, I'd appreciate that. Yeah, of course. So yeah, as you say, I'm a partner and licensed insolvency practitioner with Opus Business Services. What that is, it's a nationwide um, organisation which looks to provide support to businesses that are in various stages of distress. Um, I also do a fair bit of solvent liquidation work, which is normally surrounding tax efficient um, close downs of, uh, of businesses which can actually pay all their debts as you can imagine at the moment we're getting a fair few inquiries um, surrounding businesses that are suffering through the the current COVID-19 um, situation um, and so quite a lot of inquiries around these support packages that are available and what people should do I mean as you sort of alluded to earlier in, in our uh, previous conversations we're very much of the uh, of the ilk of recovery wherever it is possible and certainly would not um, advise businesses to hastily head down um, any sort of formal insolvency process where there is anything uh, possible to avoid it and I often say to people that my first job is to talk myself out of one which I frequently do um, which is which is good if uh, not commercially good but never mind it's the right thing to do and so yeah our practice has a focus on that we um, can assist companies with turnaround, uh, refinancing, and you know, in certain circumstances, um, helping out with a light touch process um, if there is underlying value in a business. Because you can imagine there's an awful lot that have come to us now, which everything was good until mid March and everything suddenly dropped off a cliff. But actually, there is you know, good underlying value in the business um, if they manage to negotiate their way through the uh, support packages and you know the the bump that everyone is in at the moment but um you know there's light on the other side so um we can certainly we're very well placed to um support people through that and i have been doing that you know for a, for a fantastic decade now okay so it, it, it's really the same question to all three of you we're in a, a, an unprecedented time and now that, that statement has suddenly just appeared hasn't it and i think we talk about it we mentioned it probably a few times today what I'm looking at now is some strategic advice. So we've got COVID-19, we've got to deal with that. And I think our Brummie mindset, the British sort of bulldog mindset, we'll deal with that, we'll get on with that. But then we've got Brexit just around the corner. So I think we've got a few hurdles in the working, the working sort of world. So looking at what we've got here, we've got two consultants. Stuart, you're going to have some very sharp, fast advice. Gareth, you're going to do that for us. But Becky, I, I, what I'm looking for you is voice around how we're going to treat our staff, how we look to recruit and how we can retain our key personnel through those two things. So one through COVID and then just going forward into Brexit. Welcome yeah, your views around that. Definitely. Uh, you're absolutely right. Bumpy, bumpy times are ahead. And actually, many of us will know that last year was a bumpy year as well with uncertainty and, and around lots of deadlines moving on. I think it's really important that companies look to retain and engage their existing talent. Um, we see frequently one of the most common reasons why people want to move on to their role is they feel undervalued, not because they don't enjoy the job, 
necessarily. It's because they don't feel that they have been valued and treated properly by their company. So I think um, having open and honest conversations with your, your staff and, and treating them as, as adults and employees and people who have a, a valued interest in, in, the, in the combined success of the company is incredibly important. Um, and there are a lot of ways that you can do that that aren't just monetary. Um, it can be mm -hmm. around training and development, giving them the opportunity to network and, and build their own personal brands um, and also undertake a, a lot of CSR activities to make them feel part of something that isn't just about their day job, but it's basically how they fit into a bigger picture within a large organisation, but then also within their, their community. Yeah. And uh, in terms of coping, was that the second question? Was, uh, uh, we're talking about Brexit, you know, the yeah. impact of Brexit and things like that. So we're talking, getting over this massive hump in the road and then we're going to hit another one, which is Brexit, just around yeah. the corner. Yeah, definitely. So um, there, there is going to be some uncertainty without doubt. Uh, we, we, as I say, have seen that over the course of the last uh, 18 months or so. Um, but I think there are some, um, some good opportunities to be made there for businesses that can be agile and, and fleece, uh, fly lighter foot. And um, as long as everybody communicates well with their teams and their staff members, then, uh, then we should be able to ride it out. I think it's, um, you know, look, looking at where we are, we're all working from home. We, we, we've suddenly discovered Zoom, we've discovered some other platforms. Working from home, we're working efficiently, we appreciate our work, we appreciate our contact and things like that. I don't think there's a call to go into the city centre. Our working practices are definitely going to change, you know, we're going to look at more strategically about what we're doing. I think your advice is excellent around, you know, key engagement with your employees and things like that. So thank you for that. Stuart, just looking at you. So looking, I own a manufacturing company. This is just a, a for example. Uh, what's my low hanging fruit at the moment? I've furloughed some of my staff. You know, I've got bills to pay. I'm in complete difficulty. We're looking at council grants. We're looking at some other stuff. What's your immediate advice, low hanging fruit for me? So just on the tax consultancy side, the biggest thing for companies at the moment is research and development tax credits. And just to give you an idea as to how much we've done in the last two weeks is we have a, a target each month of how much business we need to cover, which is 50 to 100,000 pounds a month. Uh, we actually hit our April target on the third of the month and we've actually wow. cleared, we've cleared our three month target now up until July. And we're not even, well, we're just over halfway through the month. R&D tax credits is one of the simplest and cleanest and effective ways for companies to actually receive cash back from the HMRC at this point, whilst the government are trying to pull the fingers out of their ears and, and, and get the systems in place for uh, furloughing staff and, and also the grants, which are obviously all dependent upon local councils. Uh, some of them have been very proactive and quick, and then some of them are uh, uh, obviously because they have higher demands, such as Birmingham City Council are, are taking longer. Uh, but the great thing about R&D is at the moment, because it is a pre-existing allowance that a good majority of UK limited companies can claim, not just manufacturing, it's in every single sector. I've actually done claims for recruiters, I've done claims for scaffolders, landscape gardeners, chocolatiers, breweries, anybody and everybody you can think of we've done claims for. That, that was going to be my next question, actually. Yeah, the example it's, was manufacturing, but I was going to... Yeah, no, manufacturing is always a good staple because you are making something, so it's nice and easy to understand. But when you're kind of stepping outside of that region and then you're, you're developing things that aren't tangible, such as IP or you, you own 
you know, uh, uh, IT systems that work for you internally, those sort of costs that you are bearing have bared over the past couple of years. Now is the time to really start looking at how you can actually receive some cash benefit back from the HMRC in a really short period of time. So the previous timescales were kind of up to 18 weeks on a claim. And now the HMRC have agreed that they're actually going to shortcut a lot of these claims down to 28 days. And they're sizable chunks of money as well. And we've just done one where they've just received £750,000 back from the HMRC's cash. And they're a loss-making company and they've never paid corporation tax. So it's, it's, it's a big cash benefit for a company. And, and, and the whole point of it is to help innovation, push innovation in the UK. And if the, HM, the whole reason it's here is to assist companies growing in the future in terms of their USP uh, uh, against their competition. And it was mentioned in the budget that it's staying as well, the R&D tax as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's well, it's, it, it's, it's increased year on year on year. Uh, it was yeah. originally a Canadian allowance and then the EU bought it on board. And then because we have our own currency and our own tax system, HMRC created their own version of it in 2006, I believe. Um, but yeah, it's grown systematically year on year on year. It's 230%. We're kind of expecting that they'll probably uplift it, if anything, to keep innovation in the UK and keep companies trading in the UK in terms of uh, innovating products and services. So yeah, it's probably going to increase to around 250% over the next couple of years, realistically. And you're UK based, you're not just Birmingham based, but I think if we look at Birmingham, we're the youngest city, we've got more entrepreneurs, more startups than anybody else. You know, we're a successful city and we're leading Europe quite well with that. And your services and your idea and the government and things like that supporting it, it just really does feed the fire, which is yeah. fabulous for us. We can all stay warm. The next point is that I did interview Ian Ward yesterday from the council. Uh, Ian, it was a good interview. Ian was very open and very mindsetted towards supporting businesses. He understands that there's 99% of SMEs in the region and he understands the majority of those at the moment don't fit into the government grants and everything else like that. And he's reaching out to say the council will look at case by case basis and offer support and things like that. So if we can spread that message, that's good. Gareth, just looking at some quick, sharp inventions, inventions, interventions, we can edit that out, interventions, that businesses, somebody comes to you who's struggling at the moment, right? You know, let, let, let's look at with hospitality, with a hospitality, with a restaurant in Birmingham, what's the immediate advice? You know, you take them through triage, you have a, a bit of an analysis, what's the immediate advice you can give them? To be honest, uh, you know, it's, it's going to sound very lawyery, but it's very difficult to give a, 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 a straight answer to that because yeah. every time I speak to a business owner, there will be a different question I've never been asked before. Even 11 years in, they will have something that they ask me that I've not heard before. And okay. I have to sit down case by case every single time and start from scratch and give bespoke advice to someone's individual circumstances obviously hospitality as you mentioned is very heavily hit at the moment and so yeah. the immediate advice for them is make sure that all of these grants that you are uh, you're entitled to you've applied for you've cancelled your direct debit that would normally go out um, and then make sure that all of your ducks are in a row with furloughing your staff um, yeah. and then once you've done that and come up with um, everything that you are entitled to. And I would say as well, involve your professional advisors in that because accountants, for example, are very well placed to uh, give guidance on that. Um, once you've come to that stage, then sort of start from scratch and say, look, I know that this is coming in. I know that these are what my outgoings are. And then, I mean, before you do anything rash, 
look at who you need to pay money to. You might be able to get some sort of rent holiday from your landlord. You might get one automatically. Before you do anything drastic, there are self-help things that you can do. Negotiate with your suppliers. You know, If you know that you can't make a payment, it is better for you to engage in a conversation and have a chat that you're in front of than wait for the problem to come to your door. People will be far more amenable to that. And when I talk about light touch interventions, that's what I'm sort of talking about. The amount of people that, I mean, you speak to and they say, oh, I think I've got this, this massive problem and that. You find that actually they owe one person money. And so the, 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 the answer is, if that person's not yet attacking you, go and have a chat with them. Um, mm. If there's two or three, have a chat with them. Now, if you, if you owe thousands upon thousands of pounds to 30 people, it's a very different kettle of fish. But if you've got a very straightforward scenario where you've got a small number of suppliers, you can cover the wage bill to the extent that you have to use in the furlough scheme. And, and you can have a sensible chat with, with, with your landlord and your suppliers. Then, you know, there's, there's self-help that you can do. And then, then after that, don't be afraid again to then go and ask the next level of help because there's a perception that if they speak to someone like me, what I'm going to do is turn up, tell them to pull the shutters down, leave them with a massive invoice, and then naff off to my villa that you can see that I have in Spain. Um, sadly, none of that's true. Um, and I actually, you know, sit down, we'll get used to, get, we'll, get, we'll get a feel for them and their problem. But, you know, before they even get to that stage, there's quite a lot that they can do. And the last thing that you would want someone to do is panic. I mean, yes, it feels like the world is falling, but it's not. It didn't in 2008. It won't now. Are we going over it? Yeah. You know, it, 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 so, you know, can I guarantee that everything's going to go back to normal at the end of lockdown? Absolutely not. Neither can anyone else. But is the world going to end? Probably not. Can you, uh, can you advise on the, the behaviour of banks at the moment, where the banks, you, in your opinion, seem to be sorting and helping <laughs> and, you so, know, supporting very... businesses? Very, uh, it's, it's very different. I mean, bank by bank. I've, I've heard that RBS are doing quite well and therefore by extension NatWest, but yeah. others not. I mean, it's very difficult. I mean, obviously the COVID loans, uh, the interruption loans were next to useless when they first became announced because sure. I think I've said this to you before. Um, if you've got a business which is suffering from, from an interruption, and you have to give a personal guarantee for the balance of the loan. How do you fancy guaranteeing, you know, your family's wealth that everything's going to go back to normal after, after the lockdown's over? Because I wouldn't fancy it. Now, obviously, now that that requirement has been removed in the vast majority of scenarios, yes, it's a step in the right direction. But the problem is there is still so much paperwork to fill out. And ultimately, you've got to prove viability before the uh, before the crisis hit and quite a lot of business owners i imagine think that their businesses were definitely viable up to that point and can probably argue that point but to yeah. actually demonstrate that to the standards required of a computer says yes computer says no organization on paper is somewhat of a different kettle of fish and so i do think that there are still significant difficulties with the the interaction exactly and, okay. and i mean in my first port of call, sort of as I was alluding to earlier, is if it's possible for you to have a conversation with people that you owe money to that you aren't paying interest to, 
then have that chat before you go and start. Um, yes, I mean, these loans are interest-free for a period, but ultimately yeah. you are you putting yourself at risk, you know, whereas if you're able to have a sensible chat, then then don't. But I mean, my inkling is that the banks aren't being as helpful as they would like us to think they are being because it, they're not acting quick enough. And realistically, you know, if we are halfway through lockdown, as everyone hopes we maybe are, yeah. the time most people get their money, it'll be over and they'll be back to work and, you know. Fabulous. Okay. So, Becky, do you want to come in on that? How are you finding the banks and how are you finding support institutions? Are you getting what you want or is it quite difficult for you? I 100% agree with all of those comments. It's been so frustrating. Um, we, I think, as, as you say, 99% of, of the region's economy is made up of, of small businesses. And um, I've been hugely frustrated by the responses that we've had from, from the banks. And um, I, I sat there and, and saw the press um, conference where we were told that we would be supported and and those yeah. schemes in theory are really good ideas and I sat there and thought thank god we, we were going to get some help to get us through this um, the reality when speaking to the bank was very very different um, certainly we because recruitment as you would understand it is a market that very very quickly in the commercial sector certainly just completely flattened so we went to the bank uh, pretty uh, pretty early on in the um, in the in the civil process. And who do you that... bank with, Becky? Do you want to say or not? <laughs> Probably best not to say. But, okay. Uh, <laughs> certainly not one of the ones that have been highlighted as being particularly helpful. Um, <laughs> okay. So we went. I think probably day one or day two of um, of the, the process to say this is our business. We've been established for several years. We have a viable business, great reputation. I think so, but. And again, yeah, no, you do, you do. And uh, yeah, so they, they firstly they were asking for customer guarantees, which those of you who are on Twitter will see that I, I've made one or two comments about. Might have potentially sort of started tweeting the BBC and the IOD and Andy Street and anyone who listened to me at that point as well. <laughs> um, so I was pleased to see that the customer guarantees were, were ruled out because how can you, on something that is so uncertain, and so distressing, how can you ask people to put everything that they have on the line for yep. us as well? Absolutely right. Well, it's also it's not sharing the risk, is it? It's ludicrous because they're getting backed by the government. And how about you top it up? Now, how about you take a little bit of risk? I seem to remember bailing some banks out, um, you know, 11 years ago or mm. so. Um, so, you know, possibly maybe the banks owe people, you know, no, never mind, just my thoughts. I mean, we're, we're, we'll take these comments forward and we'll challenge local MPs and things like that. I'm speaking to Liam Byrne and Andy Street over the next week or two. So we'll take that up with them that, you know, they're, they're not influencers by any means in the banks, but certainly their voice and things like that will be heard. Stuart, and how are you? Sorry, Becky, go on. Well, I just wanted to say that I, I think fundamentally, whilst the is a great idea in principle, I don't think that, that the banks deciding which businesses effectively live or die throughout this process is a, is a very good way of doing it. Brilliant. Good, good, good. Stuart, your, your thoughts around banks and other institutions are offering support or not offering support as it is? Uh, <clears throat> we're not allowed to swear, are we? <laughs> Please not, but <laughs> we can edit it out, I suppose. Um, right. Okay. So there's, there's two sides to this. We're, we're moaning about the banks. Okay. Yeah. And I fully understand that because they are useless. Uh, but the, <coughs> one of the biggest problems is, is that in 2012, the government changed the legislation for banks that they are now, they are now wholly responsible for risk based upon lending. So that is the reason that they've gone tight ever since that point. 
So yeah, we can moan at the banks, but at the end of the day, if the government doesn't change the legislation as to where risk sits in terms of lending, it's the government's fault and not the bank's fault. Now, the high street lenders are useless. Challenger banks are generally mopping up all the surrounding areas where people aren't, you know, but one of the biggest, best bits of advice I can ever give anybody in terms of if you're, if you're business banking, if you're banking with anybody and you're then in now into a position where you need help from them, never go to your original bank, go to a new bank and put a new yeah. business proposal through to that new bank because you're yeah. going to have much greater success moving your business to a new bank with the facilities that you need moving forward than you will ever get going back to your existing bank. So, and, and, and banks are easy to switch between now. You don't need to have loyalty to a bank that you've been with since you were 16. You can go to any other bank now and you can switch it within 12 months again, if you want to. So, so my, yeah, my, my personal advice is every time I go into a business, into whatever interim role is, I start and look at everything, you know, yeah. go through a whole list of things, look at the banks, look at the accountants, look at the, you know, the suppliers and everything. And the second I hear that somebody's been with us for 10, 15 years or everything, I went to school with them, those sort of comments, then they just, you know, alarm bells go and everything else like that. Okay, so last few minutes of the interview, just going to ask each one of you just to really encapsulate your advice now. So we talked about your services, talked about the low-hanging fruit, talked about what you can do. Uh, Gareth, really, you've looked at your advice and you've come across quite clear and succinctly on that point. What I'm going to look for you is what you're going to offer to downtown and business sort of members and the wider community and things like this, because this isn't being excluded to members. It's going to go a little bit wider. Becky, you've got a new uh, department set up, you know, the healthcare and things like that. But you've also reached out. You're looking at CV reviews for people and things like that. So if I can guide you around that. But let's, Stuart, let's start off with you. The immediate sort of advice from Stuart Wood, not from you as your businesses and things like that. You've been around business a while and, you know, you're regarded professionally as good consultants. What's the generalistic advice to the owners and to people that are employed in businesses at the moment? Stop focusing too much on the problem and start focusing more on your long-term goals. Because too, I've seen too many people on social talking to them now and they're so focused on exactly what is happening at this point that they're not looking at what's going to be happening in six months' time. If you take your eye off the ball for that long period of time, your company's probably going to fail anyway. So make sure that you are planning six to 12. Chain, the great thing about what's going on at the moment is it's going to change fundamentally that the way that we work day in, day out, hopefully for yeah. the better. You know, the, the need and the necessity to have so much emphasis on being in one place at one given time is going to change working hours. I saw your thing the other day, Paul, about working hours. I think this will change. Given this is this, everything that's going on at the moment is giving people the flexibility to just work how they want in the most efficient manner that they can. And my, my best advice is, <clears throat> although you as a company have consultants and specialists around you, that have been giving you advice over the years, those companies may now be struggling in exactly the same position as you are. So reach out and start opening your mind up to having conversations with people that generally you probably wouldn't have spoken to before and take advice from people who sit outside of your just current circle because they're likely to give you the best advice because they're looking in with a fresh pair of eyes and everybody's here to help each other now as well. So you're gonna get the best level of advice now than you probably ever were gonna get before. So that excellent, excellent. 
No, good, good. Mercury? Yeah, there's a lot of people who, unfortunately, through no fault of their own, have found themselves um, made redundant. Um, Simplify's there uh, supporting not just our clients who are looking to recruit, and there are some fantastically people, uh, fantastically talented candidates who are available at the moment. Um, but we can, as Simply Sky, we're very happy to provide interview advice, CV advice, how to undertake uh, remote interviews. These are new skills that people have never had to, to utilise before. Telephone yeah. interviews, it's so difficult to get your personality across when you don't have the benefit of looking somebody completely in the eye. It's slightly better when, when you're doing remote interviews. Um, so, so all of that advice we can certainly uh, provide in terms of employability and, and how to help people um, but also advice as to how you can use your network to, to do good at this time. There are a lot of people out there who need help and need support. So if you can't communicate with your customers in a way that you normally would do, talk to them about something that may be a little bit different that keeps the dialogue going with them as well. Okay, thank you very much. Gareth, just talking about you. So what, what I'm looking for from you is some advice from you, not as an insolvency practitioner, just as somebody that's been around business as well and things like that, where would you be? So you're in this position where you are now owning a business, times are tough, you know, where would you guide from that point? You're not the practitioner, you're the, uh, you're not the doctor, you're the patient now. So let's take it from the patient's perspective. Just take advice. A problem shared is a problem halved as the old ludicrously corny saying goes, but it's true. Yeah. Because just getting it out there in the open, just talking it through with someone is almost certainly going to reduce your stress levels. Ideally, talk to someone that knows what they're talking about and someone yeah. that can actually give you some sort of guide of it. So talk to your accountant, talk to your lawyer. And for downtown members, you know, if anyone is struggling with their, any business owners and not watching this and think, yes, I need to talk to someone. I'm quite happy to have a, a free chat with anyone, you know, it's, um, you know, I will give anyone, you know, an hour, two hours, however long it takes to get to the bottom of the issues that they're facing and whether I can help. Because chances are, and that's one of the beauties of this network is if I don't, I will know someone that can help. You know, if Definitely. it's the credits, you know, talk to Stuart. If if it's something to do with recruitment or whatever, you know, speak to Becky. There, there is there is so many people now that we all know, and it, I, I'll extend it as well to you know contacts of downtown members. You know, whatever. Um, you know, we've all got massive rolodexes and can all pull together and help people through this, um, no matter what. And so that's what what I would say is just talk to people um you know particularly uh, other professionals fantastic i mean from my perspective uh, my phone hasn't stopped ringing over the last few weeks as well the same as everybody else and my, my advice has been look at your business turn your business upside down look at your business plan you know make your business work now you're working from home you're working remotely and things like that it really doesn't matter what type of industry you're in you can earn money you can make your business go you can keep it alive you know you know put part of your business as dormant and things like that but focus on other things that you can work for there's definitely opportunities i'm not personally concerned about brexit i think it's going to be a little bit of a bumpy road but you know the markets are loading up for us and things like that and the mindset of us working from home and the way that we do that Stuart, you reflected on a piece that i put uh, on linkedin and things like that it's gone out to downtown members as well I genuinely think, you know, when I employ people, I don't really care what you do when you do it, as long as you deliver and do what you're supposed to do. And I think that kind of mindset, we, we're all coming to settle for that. 
if you have a few hours off during the day and you want to spend a bit of time with your family and pick your business up at night and you can do that, absolutely fine. But there we go. Personal views there. Looking at the time, so just want to say, Becky, thank you very much. You've been absolutely wonderful. Your advice there and you're reaching out to people to say that you're there, you know, for free advice and things like that. That's great. Love Brom is a wonderful charity. Clearly, we're all supporting Love Brom. We're all coming together as Brummies. You're an icon of the Brummy mindset, you know, that, which is fabulous. Stuart, again, you, thank you so much. You're reaching out to people. You're offering advice. Come to clear advice there. Low-hanging fruit, R&D, get the money in the bank, keep the cash flow going. That's the blood in the veins of businesses. Again, you work hard for the business, for the community as well. Thank you very much. Gareth, positive output you know, from you talking about insolvency and things like that, but actually it's more about business consultancy. It's more about helping people. It's more about doing the right things, keeping the roofs over the head, keeping businesses flowing, as opposed to earning money and doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're doing the right thing for everybody else. We've had a couple, we've had a couple of conversations. You've been quite inspirational with your advice. You've reached out to everybody. You know, the door's open as far as everybody's concerned for you. We can find you all on LinkedIn. Just want to wish you all a good afternoon. Thank you very much. Thank I've you. been Paul Cadman. I'm still Paul Cadman. I'm still the chair of Downtown in Business. 